Hi, I'm Hannah Bailey. And I'm Tefera Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, where we talk about why I lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! So before we jump into the episode this week, we just wanted to let you know about something that you can do to support us if you feel called to do that. Uh, So our network, the Upford Network, currently has an Indiegogo campaign going to fundraise for a new sound booth for the studio. Uh, So right now we're recording out of a kind of DIY setup and we are hoping to raise money to build a more soundproof set up to record in which will help us continue to create lots of great content um and yeah the network is really cool if you haven't checked out any of the other shows we know personally all of the other creators on the network and they're all really lovely people and i think the upper network is super cool because um really the mission is kind of to let people like like us who don't have the know-how or the tools to be able to make their ideas a reality and share them with the world, which is really cool. So yes, we have an Indiegogo campaign. Uh, We're going to link in the show notes. There's lots of cool perks. Um, One of them, which I think there are currently four left, is that you can, I think for $25, you can pick the next book that we read on the show. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there's also some like cool artwork perks and like lots of other fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I I make uh, I will make you a custom stuffed animal at one price point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and actually somebody has already purchased one of the uh, uh, name that book perks. Yes, and we have in fact pushed our regularly scheduled programming in order to make sure that we read Howard's book on the show. Yeah, so it'll be next week. So uh, so if you want that to be your book, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, support on the Indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Any anything helps, and even sharing it helps if you don't have the money to donate. So, yeah, that's we're going to be launching our Patreon in a little while, but for now, uh, supporting the Indiegogo campaign is the best way that you can support us. And on that note... What are we talking about this week, Taffer? Uh, I'm so excited about this week. <laughs> um, this week we are talking about one of Hannah and my absolute favorite series ever. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it's one of my favorite ever. I only I only read it recently, <laughs> but I I also really really like it. Yeah. Um. So we're talking about the Graceling Trio. I think is is what, yeah. Trio is a good word. Yeah. Uh, by Kristen Kishore. Um, I also, I, I need to apologize because in past episodes when I have talked about these books, I have been saying Kristen Kishore's, and that's because we, we're also talking about Anne Brashear's. Oh, yeah. And um, I, and I so kept just mixing it up, and I just added S's to both their names. But this is Kristen Kishore without an S. Yes. Um, and she's brilliant, and we love her, and I'm sorry. Um, so anyway the Graceling Trio it's it's a series of three books um it's not a strict trilogy Mm -hmm. um you can read them in any order the order in which we both read them and that we think is the best order is Mm -hmm. uh Bitter Blue then Graceling then Fire um but they were released in the order of um Graceling Fire then Bitter Blue 
and chronologically it runs fire graceling bitter blue so um and really you can read them in in any order yeah that's one of um, the cool things is that they they each kind of stand alone mm-hmm. so so you can sort of go nuts pick and choose yeah, do whatever um yeah actually at, at Yafest, we were talking with someone who said like she always wants to to recommend bitter blue to people but she feels like she can't without making them also read graceling and fire mm-hmm. and we were like no yeah you can just read bitter blue yeah um so anyway they're they're set in a fantasy universe which kishore has said is her idea of what um medieval europe would be like without religion which is an interesting concept mm-hmm. um and they are centered around a common evil so the connecting um thread between the three books is that they're all dealing with the same villain antagonist you know mm-hmm. um but in different event. ways which is very interesting yes yeah in in very yeah very interesting different ways um mm-hmm. and each book follows a young woman protagonist um as she both comes of age uh and really comes into her own power and her own autonomy um each protagonist is quite different from the others mm-hmm. um each storyline is quite different, um, yeah. but they're all just well-rounded, well-developed protagonists with really, really complex, yeah, personalities and yeah. stories, and yeah, um, and really whole people. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so that's what we're talking about today: the yeah. um, the Graceling Trio by Kristen Kishore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, like I said, we really like these books, and. Yeah, they all have lots of really interesting, really different things to offer. Uh, so it was actually, Teffer had pointed out like a, a week ago, I think, had this epiphany that, yeah, they all, all of them are about the main character kind of figuring out how to wield her power, and, mm-hmm. and that power is different for each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, it's a really cool kind of unifying theme of the books, and it's not something that like, always a lot of... Literature about young women deals with, uh, so it's very it's very cool. Yeah, I think the other really interesting element of that is that um, each of them, uh, Bitter Blue, Katza, and and Fire, who are the actually both of the books are named after Bitter Blue and Fire are both named after their protagonists. Mm-hmm. Graceling's protagonist is Katza. Katza, yeah, and I love her. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but each of them, their power. Uh, is very visible yes yeah that's none of them none of them start out as being um it's not the classic narrative that you see sometimes of like this is a girl who everybody underestimates and then she turns out she has this secret power or something like that all of them are young Mm -hmm. women who are uh, enormously powerful who are respected for that power Mm -hmm. um who have quite a lot of strength but who feel powerless yes um, uh. and especially, especially Fire and Katza, but I think also to an extent Better Blue, also start out being, having a very ambivalent relationship to their powers. Yes. Um, ambivalent or just negative in some cases. Yes. Um, and yes, so. Yes, I think, I think Better Blue also. Yeah. Really has Yeah, that. that's true. Yeah. And so. So the books are about them kind of learning how to use their powers, but also mm-hmm. making peace yes. with them, which is really cool. 
Yes. Um, so just, I we, we've been talking around it, so we can kind of give a brief synopsis. So um, so in, in the world that the novels take place in, well, in the world that, yeah, in the world that the novels take place in, just to make it real simple, uh, there are uh, certain people who are what's called graced, and so that means that they have, like, a certain sort of talent that is way beyond anything a normal person could do. Uh, and sometimes they're, like, very ridiculous, not useful things, like being able to turn your head 360 degrees. And sometimes they're very useful things. Um, and so... Katza is graced, and so the way that it is visible is that people who are graced uh, have different colored eyes. And so Katza, Katza is graced. Um, she is graced with, like, extreme strength, and basically she can fight really well. Um, kind of the way that she perceives her power changes throughout the book, The how she labels her grace, but we... I don't know if we want to give that away or not. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's, it's really cool. Anyways... Um, um, the other thing, the unimportant element about the Gracelings is that mm-hmm. in the realms, Gracelings oh, yes. are enslaved in almost all of the kingdoms. Yes. Um, if your child is graced, they're sent to the king's court. The king decides if he can use them or not. Mm-hmm. If not, you get sent home if you have like a, you know, turning your head around or like mm-hmm. eating a whole cake or something, <laughs> Grace. Yeah, you're not kept at court. But if you're a fighter, if you're a baker, you know, anything yeah, like that. Yeah, if you're that, anything useful. You're kept at the court to be at the service of the king. Mm-hmm. The other element is, especially in the world that Graceling takes place in, Gracelings are, they're not really revered. Like, they're valued for what they can do, but they're kind of outcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're feared. Because they're feared, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's an element of of Katz's story, as mm-hmm. well as the fact that how she discovered her grace. This isn't a spoiler, is it? No, no it, it's very early. Yeah, it book, tur- yeah. It's, I also think, I mean, I think, like, one thing about our podcast is we do have spoilers. We do have spoilers, Because yeah. the concept of this is that it's a book club. Yeah. And, so like, there are, there are we spoilers. are assuming that you have read the book. Yes. That doesn't mean you can't listen if you haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. But you, you might but get like, something But, like, be aware. Spoiled. Yeah. 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 Uh, so the way that Katza discovers her grace is um, somebody is doing something to her that she doesn't want them to be doing. I think, like, touching her, just making her uncomfortable when mm-hmm. she's about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And she tries to push him away and ends up killing him. Um, and that's how her grace is discovered. And so right from that beginning moment, she has a perception of herself as dangerous and like almost like a monster. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so a lot of her narrative is kind of reevaluating mm-hmm. that that perception of herself. Yeah. Yeah, um, one element I, I find really interesting and fascinating about Katza is that she suffers from being uh, treated as a, as a social pariah um, from early childhood. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have any, like, parent figures. She really is just mm-hmm. trained by the military, and that is her whole life as a child. Yes. Um, but she also hates mind reader gracelings so she has oh yes she's terrified of them yeah so she has a um a sort of hierarchy of of graced people and she really adheres at the beginning of the book to this idea that gracelings Mm -hmm. are dangerous that gracelings should be outcasts 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the really sort of amazing thing through the course of the novel, through her meeting another Grace thing and, and mm-hmm. uh, establishing a deep friendship with him and um, is her having to gradually address that bias that she yes. has, that she projects onto herself. Um, mm-hmm. And also having to to come to terms with the fact that her grace turns out to be not as destructive as she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. And that's really beautiful. And I think maybe as something we don't see that often, the narrative of somebody who is part of a of a like a socially outcast community who instead of immediately being like, this is unjust and I'm going to advocate for myself, starts from a place of, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, starts from a place of really having internalized those those views and kind of has to unlearn that, Um, which I think is a very relatable narrative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I love Katza. Katza is Mm -hmm. the character who speaks the most to me. Mm -hmm. I do also feel like... With fire and with bitter blue, I read them and I feel kinship, but Katza is yeah. the one who feels really, really close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like a great deal of that is because she goes through this process of going from believing that her strength and her power and her gifts mm-hmm. are dangerous things that she has to um, keep very close to her, keep under a great deal of control, mm-hmm. uh, to seeing them as positive, useful productive and even life-saving yeah um and that's just such a powerful narrative Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's incredible yeah and it is one that's that's mirrored pretty closely in fire actually yeah yeah fire fire and graceling have a lot of similarities um fire is my favorite protagonist (laughs) uh, for reasons that we'll talk about um but yeah, they do have very similar stories. Yeah, in like story arcs, the the books are not similar. No, but yeah, the characters are similar. Yeah, they're similar in some ways. And I mean, like big spoiler alert: Katza ends up meeting fire at the end of yes. Thing and yes. and there's sort of a suggestion that they become very close. Yes, that and they they have a kinship. That fire, who is much older than Katza, mm-hmm. um, sort of sees herself. Yeah. Katza's story. Yes, yes. Um, which and is helps very cool. her. Wait, that's not at the end of Graceling. That's at the end of uh, Bitter Blue. Yeah, it's at the end of Bitter Blue. It's really like right at the end of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. at the very end. Because um, so I guess it's natural for us to talk about Fire next. Sure, yeah. Um, because we've been mentioning it. So the thing that's interesting about Fire is that it is set, I mean, part of the same universe, but it is set in a different kingdom. That is separating from the it's is it the seven kingdoms? It's the seven where? realms. The seven realms. Okay. So it's separated by a kind of impenetrable or seemingly impenetrable mountain range. Mm-hmm. Um and so the majority of people, the people in what's what's the place? The Dells. In the Dells. The Dells the, is yeah, where so the two what, kingdoms are the seven realms and, and the, the Dells. Dells. Or the two regions. Yeah. Seven realms is seven kingdoms, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and so the people in the Dells and the people in the Seven Realms, for the most part, don't know that the others exist, um, which is very interesting. So then how, at the very end of Bitter Blue, some people from the Dells, including Fire, come over to uh, to the Seven Realms. But So Fire is... So in, in the Dells, there are no Gracelings, but there are what are called monsters. Uh, and so monsters are individuals of any species that have certain powers so they're very I'm trying to figure out how to describe this 
they're very like seductive um and kind of they like draw other people other well not even of the same species other creatures towards them um they're also like like to prey on other on other monsters um and they are like extravagantly colored so fire has like red and pink and orange hair uh, is there any? Oh, and they They're, can read. Um, they can read minds, or no? They, they can, can read they emotions. Can, they can They're, read emotions, and they can, to an extent, manipulate emotions. Yeah, they're very powerful empaths. Yeah, I think is probably the most accurate mm-hmm. um, description. They're very beautiful, also. Yes. Like they're alluring in in everything about them. They're very mm-hmm. beautiful. Their voices are very beautiful. Yes. They uh, part of their empathic power is that they sort of soothe your mind and make you feel safe. Yes. And comfortable. Um mm-hmm. and then uh and they do also have an appetite for monster meat. Yes. Like you were saying. So uh with fire it becomes this very complicated uh, conversation around like appetite mm-hmm. versus praying and Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um and so fire is in the current, when when her story is set, she is the only human monster in the Dells. I think she's the only human monster. So her her father was a because monsters beget monsters. So her father was a monster, and he did not want to have any competition. So he would like, I think, he would prevent himself from having offspring in a very violent way. Yes. Um, <laughs> And he, he, he killed people. Yeah. He killed a lot of people. He killed a lot of people. Um, but then uh, Fire, I think he didn't know that Fire's mother was pregnant, is the. Because usually he would kill his lovers if they became pregnant because he's horrifying. And so he, he wasn't aware that she existed until she was born. Um, and then he was charmed by her because she was also a monster and very charming. So she she grew up and then when her story is set, her father is dead. And so she's the only human monster and she is very, she has a very conflicted relationship with that. She tries not to use her power as much as possible. Uh, she always covers up her hair and, and I think she sees herself as as monstrous and so so a lot of her narrative is kind of coming to terms with the fact that there are ways that she can use her power that aren't inherently destructive or inherently evil yeah um um, sorry yeah yeah, no go i think i think one of the um sort of tensions in it is Mm -hmm. her deciding whether or not destruction is always necessarily evil Yes, um, yes. There's a real moral question throughout about about mm-hmm. um, you know how far is too far yes. and and what is acceptable and what is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On my most recent reread of it, is really struck by how political the book yes. is. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I I think I've only read it once. I should read it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is very political. Yeah. I mean, in that the the characters are involved in politics, yes. actively, yes. not not in like making decrees about the outside world, but no, um, she is very involved in the royal family, and yes. the, the kingdom is in like crisis, which she so. resists. She resists getting involved in uh, in those struggles. Like, there's basically a civil war 
happening mm-hmm. in uh, in the kingdom, and she she resists getting involved for a long time, yeah. uh, and then and then kind of eventually comes to to realize that maybe she's doing more harm to things that she cares about by not yeah by keeping herself by preventing herself from using what she has in order to to help so it's it's very interesting uh and then so like i said fire is my favorite protagonist and a large part of that is because um she so she lives with chronic pain uh but i also think that her experience in general is a really good um not metaphor exactly but kind of fantastical portrayal fantastical analog that's the word i'm looking for for the chronic illness and specifically invisible illness experience which i live with an invisible illness uh so i really identify with her a lot um and yeah and i like her for that reason yeah in many ways i i've been finding um fire feels like a much more adult book yes she's the same age as the other characters Mm -hmm. but she reads as much older I mean, I think part of that is is simply that she's had more autonomy yes. for her whole life. Yes. And I think it's really magnificent, honestly, that Kristen mm-hmm. Kishore can write uh, such disparate experiences and, yes. and can understand the, that, you know, mm-hmm. one 17-year-old is not like another. Yes. Because, I mean, equally, Bitter Blue feels much younger. Yeah, she feels a lot. And they all are 17, aren't they? They're all 17. Yeah. yeah, but they feel, yeah, they feel wildly different in yeah. age. Yeah. Um... Which and is I mean, very interesting. That's we haven't gotten into Bitter Blue yet, and we will. Um, mm-hmm. But so much of the conversation in these books, the sort of internal conversation, is around privilege mm-hmm. and around how it shapes you. Yes, because uh, and and how like there are, there are so many facets of it. Yes, because Bitter Blue grows up a princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and becomes queen at age 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, has a w- fantastic education and is very well fed and never wants for anything, mm-hmm. but also has gone through unspeakable abuse. Yeah. Um, in a way that the others in the book have not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, oh, God, she's yeah. just so good at writing these, like, nuanced, complex mm-hmm. characters who feel so real yes um yeah and yeah. yeah and just dealing with with big topics in really interesting and kind of new ways mm-hmm. uh so we, i guess we can start talking about bitter blue yeah one of the the treatment of privilege in bitter blue is really interesting because i feel like she starts off not really recognizing the ways in which she's privileged uh because she is i mean fairly focused on her massive trauma. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, but there's there's a really good arc of her sort of realizing that despite the fact that, yes, she has had horrible, horrible things happen to her, um, she has a lot of things that other people don't have. Yes. And that she takes entirely for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's a really interesting sort of arc that, that deals with that tension that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she has a kind of security... I was, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about so so Katza also you know grows up in court is yes. educated, it never wants for food or clothing or, mm-hmm. or shelter. Um, but Katza 
has the threat of being cast out or yes. imprisoned or even executed if yes. she uh, makes a misstep. And Bitter Blue is queen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, she has advisors. She has people she has to tread carefully around. She has mm-hmm. to be a good ruler. But she is queen. She's she has, if, you know, if she couldn't stay in her kingdom, she has royal family in another kingdom. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. she has a kind of stability that the others do not have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you've been deeply, deeply traumatized, mm-hmm. uh, realistically, you don't necessarily think about like, but did other people learn how to read? Yes. Um, yeah. But then, I mean, she her, starts to ask those questions, yes. which is really cool. Um, but interestingly, her education is actually one of the things that helped her survive. Yes. Her abuse. Um, yes. Because one of the ways that she, uh, um, survived was by having the anchor of complicated arithmetic problems that Mm -hmm. keep her mind clear yes um so yeah so uh we just big spoiler alert before i say this we Mm -hmm. are i am about to say things about the main um antagonist in the trio i am so torn on giving away spoilers about him Mm -hmm. because like so much of the fun of the books is the mystery of it. Yeah. Um, well, let's make this a spoiler alert then. Yeah. And, <laughs> From um, this point on, I am going to talk about this we're character. Talk about. Yeah. If you haven't read the books, at least if you haven't read Bitter Blue, pause this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come back to it after you've read it, please. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, they're really good. They're, they're really worth the they're, they're worth not. I mm-hmm. I am somebody who usually doesn't mind spoilers, but this is maybe just one you don't want to get. <laughs> yeah, it's, the books are more exciting if you don't yeah. know. Yeah, the whole the whole deal about like. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about like who's <laughs> the central uh, evil. I feel like antagonist is just not big enough. He's just he's just he's he's pure embodied he's, evil. Oh, he's awful. Oh. Um, so yeah, Lek is Lek is a Graceling, mm-hmm. um, and he is graced with the ability of controlling people with his words. Yes. So um, um, I think it's described as he can tell lies that are believed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if he says something, regardless of whether or not it's true, it becomes the reality for and the person whether or not you it. know it to be true. Yes. Like he could look at he, one of the things that comes up again and again mm-hmm. and it's just so indicative of how awful he is is that yeah. he will torture people and tell them you're not in pain this is fun. Yes. And and they will believe him. Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing that's that's terrifying about his power is that his lies work secondhand. Yeah. They become diluted, but if somebody passes on a lie that he has said it holds that same power. Mm-hmm. Um, like the farther the farther removed it gets from him, the weaker it gets. But yeah, so I could tell Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The sky is pink, which I guess it is at sunset. But anyway, yeah. the and, sky and is currently pink. the sky is blue. <laughs> I could tell Hannah that color is pink, and Hannah would be like, "Oh yes, that color has always been pink." And then Hannah could go out and tell our roommate like. The sky is pink, the sky and is our roommate pink. would be like, "Oh yeah, that's yeah. true," um, and and it can just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, this gets really interesting in fire because fire encounters him, and uh, as somebody with a certain amount of mental power herself, there's just a really interesting sort of yeah. investigation 
of it, mm-hmm. um, of what the power is. Yes, because his his doesn't it doesn't work on her, right? It doesn't work on her, as, and it's very it's um, very confusing, confusing for to her. her. Yeah. Because she she realizes that he thinks that she should believe him. And yeah. it, it takes her a minute to figure out what on earth is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it takes um. her observing it in other people. Yes. So Bitter Blue has been living with um, sort of this master of psychological abuse. Yes. So he, he is her father. He is her father. Yes. He is Bitter Blue's father. He was the king of Monsi. He became the king of Monsi by mm-hmm. convincing the king and queen of Monsi that they should make him their heir and then killing killing them them. um and then all the witnesses jumped off a bridge um so i mean he's just he's an awful person but yes as abusers do um he abuses his wife and his daughter horribly because Mm -hmm. they are closest to him um and uh, Bitter Blue grew up until she was 10 years old in this environment of having horrible things happen to her and her mother and being told that everything was fine yeah. and believing it and then having her mother tell her not to believe it mm-hmm. um, and then finally ultimately seeing her father murdered in front of her. Yes. Um, so, you know, not a not a cheerful childhood. No. no. Exactly. And when we meet Bitter Blue seven years after the fact... Um, She's still really sort of piecing together her life and figuring out how much control Lex still has after yeah. death. She's trying to kind of unravel the lies yeah. that he has told. And she she's still, yeah, she struggles so much with trying to figure out what to believe and yeah. how she can trust the things that she hears. Yeah. Um, One of the really interesting factors in thinking about Bitter Blue's privilege is that Mm -hmm. some of the reason that she has been blind to her own privilege is that she has been lied to about what the world is like. Yes. And one of the lies has been everybody in this kingdom is happy. Everybody in this kingdom is employed. Nobody is hungry. Everyone can read. Yes. Um, And she, she discovers that that is one of the lies. Yeah. And so then she has to grapple with... Well, what else have I been like yeah. about? Yeah, and, and also, I mean, how mm-hmm. can I be a good queen to my subjects if I have no idea What's what their happening? experience is? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of at the beginning, she's been very happy to um, let her advisors sort of rule the kingdom, do what they tell her to yes. do, and then focus on her own processing and her own mm-hmm. surviving. Yes. Um and and through the course of the book and the people she meets and the experiences she has, mm-hmm. she becomes much more comfortable, again, wielding the power she has as queen. Mm-hmm. And starting um, to try and make changes. Exactly. And really start to work on on bringing the kingdom back from, from where Lek took it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I, is really beautiful. I love Bitter Blue. Um, yes. Because I feel... It is possibly the best book out there. I'm going to go ahead and say the best book out there about recovering from abuse um, mm-hmm. because it focuses on psychological abuse, the yes. psychological aspects of abuse. And mm-hmm. we often don't talk about that. We often talk about abuse in terms of physical violations. Mm-hmm. Um, but the psychological, mental, and emotional aspects of abuse Mm-hmm. are really what makes the abuse. Yes. Um, and I think about it in terms of, like, torturing people and saying, you are not in pain. Yes. Um, hurting Bitter Blue's mother and saying, Mama isn't scared. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because the way that abusers maintain power is by lying about what is happening. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I, I hurt you because you made me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would never have hit you, but you made me so mad. Yeah. Um, if a stranger punches you, you know, y- y- you, you punch him back, you yeah, call the cops, you, but... something happens, something else happens in domestic mm-hmm. partner violence. Yes. Um, or in, in familial violence. Um, mm-hmm. Because a big part of, of, I mean, really the major part of abuse, the thing that makes it abuse is mm-hmm. the abuser saying this is fine and this is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a piece that is essential and that is so often let out left out of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's really well dealt with in Bitter yeah. Blue. I mean, essentially, essentially Lex's power boils down to he gaslights you mm-hmm. impenetrably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's like a magical gaslighter. Yeah, his, he, he is graced with gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Essentially. Um, <laughs> gaslighting, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, A, look it up. Yeah. Um, B, gaslighting is a form of abuse that is manipulating uh, reality to yes. make person doubt their own perceptions and their own sanity Mm -hmm. and it's nasty and that's that's exactly what happens to bitter blue this is why she has to have this this technique that her mother teaches her which is when you start to doubt what's going on do math yeah um and even even seven years after her father died she's still doing that because she still gets like the gaslighting is still affecting her yeah um yeah. Um, and math is really set up as like a counterpoint to her father who likes stories. And yes, um, I mean, obviously, because he loves just telling stories. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so, so very good. So very good. <laughs> um, um, and then uh, Graceling has just um, another perspective on Lek because with Graceling. Yeah. Um, it takes place when he's at the height of his power. Yes. And nobody knows that he's evil. Yes. Uh, so Bitter Blue takes place after his fall when everybody knows he's evil but still kind of dealing with the fallout. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Graceling takes place while he's in power. Yeah. Yeah, and fire takes place when he's a child. Yeah, which is horrifying. Yep, absolutely horrifying. <laughs> he is a horrifying child. Yep. I remember fire's first impression of him is what an unpleasant child. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, which is actually significant because I think it's the only time we ever see somebody react to Lek as what he actually is. Yes, it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, in so in Graceling, it's interesting because the lies mm-hmm. about Lek are very subtle at first. Yes, people just talk about, oh yeah, the King of Monsi. He's he is famous for kindness to animals and to children. Yes, and their kingdom's very wealthy, and everybody can read, and nobody's hungry, and mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, these are really the great. the widely <laughs> publicized lies, and then. And then, so Katza is at the center of this kind of, like, vigilante justice group, almost. I mean, she's the head of it. She's the head yeah. of it, yeah. Um, and sort of trying to hold the the rulers of the Salvan realms to account mm-hmm. and to stop 
abuses of power essentially Mm -hmm. and so so the the book starts out with them kind of being like oh monsi we don't have to worry about because they're great um but then eventually sort of like small threads of doubt start to creep in Mm -hmm. and and they go and investigate and what they Mm -hmm. find is horrifying Mm -hmm. and one of the really uh, wonderful things that happened we talked Mm -hmm. about katza being somebody who hates mind readers Mm -hmm. Uh, and it turns out that in order to overthrow lek they need somebody they need somebody who has mind reading powers it's the only the only way um, that he can be stopped yeah. because they because you can only understand what he's doing if you can know that he is lying mm-hmm. um and that he believes that people will believe him yes um and also i mean katz's katz's grace which begins as being called a killing grace and mm-hmm. ends as being called a, a grace of survival yeah it's really beautiful which is, oh god it's really beautiful. I'm gonna um, take a minute. I'm gonna take a minute to gush about her in just a sec. Yeah, <laughs> um, but she's the one who ends up being able to overthrow Lek, and mm-hmm. um, and she does so out of love and protection. Yes, um, and it's just it, it, there's there's such a really marvelous bookend mm-hmm. to the story of her coming into her grace. Whereas a child, yes. she kills somebody by accident, in protecting herself protecting herself but without really understanding what's going on mm-hmm. um and finally she kills someone on purpose <laughs> you know yeah. thoughtfully uh to protect people she loves but to protect someone else yeah um, it's really beautiful yeah it's wonderful i actually forgot about how that ends it's oh it's so good it's so good yeah um yeah 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 it's really and that 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 part specifically is really really interesting because this is again a huge spoiler. But um, earlier in the novel, she tries to kill Lek and is unable to because, like, it's like this is what she has to do. She knows, and then he's there and he tells yeah. her that she doesn't want to. Yeah. Um. But then, at the end of the book, she's able to because like the love for the person who like is, is going to danger, hurt yeah um is yeah is it's, enough it's beautiful. to help her overcome it and, yeah and uh it's very beautiful i mean really her trust for yes. that person also yeah that's true yeah um yeah yeah i'm getting shivers <sighs> yeah the um i feel very close to katza because i i feel as though um her experience of being told that the things that make her strong are destructive mm-hmm. feels very close to what it is um, to me to to grow up. Uh, I mean, as a young girl in this world, largely, mm-hmm. but but especially in certain religious communities, um, I did, yeah. um, and this journey of going from thinking these things that are strong about me are things that I need to suppress at mm-hmm. all costs because mm-hmm. they're dangerous. They're dangerous not only to me, but like to the very fabric of society. Mm-hmm. And then just very gradually starting to doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, one of the things I really love about Katza is even when she's at the height of her power, even after she kills Lack, executes, mm-hmm. I think is a good word there. Lack, yeah, yeah. Um, she still is in a panic 
that she did it for the wrong reasons that she did it because she's a killer that yeah you know she says i used a dagger to stop someone from talking and um yeah and she's really horrified by that yeah yeah and it's just like it's so honest it's so true it's like Mm -hmm. yes recovery uh is not ever a hundred percent you don't Mm -hmm. ever a hundred percent get away from the lies people have told you Mm -hmm. about yourself yeah um you just learn to have other voices there too Mm -hmm. um and it's just like I don't know I read I read that book and I cry Mm -hmm. (laughs) um just about every time yeah um uh so we've you've guessed about cats so maybe I'm gonna guess about fire for a little while yeah go for it um (laughs) so like I said I love I love fire um and I mean, there are so many really beautiful things about her narrative. One of the, I'm just looking at my notes. One of the things that we haven't talked about is um, that Fire is a really, her book is a really beautiful exploration of victim blaming. Um, because one of the, one of the sort of facets of being a monster for her, especially being a female monster, is that she gets attacked all the time. Um but what's really kind of interesting and beautiful about her is that she knows that it's not her fault. Um, even though that's kind of the the narrative she's being told. Um, but she she knows that it's that it's the faults of the people who can't close their minds to her, to her power. Um, and she she refers to them as weak-minded people. And it's just it's a really it's a really unique and interesting narrative and it's not it's kind of an aspirational narrative in a lot of ways uh which i really like um but the other the other reason i think that i mentioned that i really love um fire is is because she she is a really good analog for the the invisible illness experience Mm -hmm. because and she she talks about this a few different times there's a quote that i love um, so because of her being a monster, she gets attacked all the time by humans and other monsters. So just because of accumulated injuries over her life, she's constantly in pain. Um, but she also looks beautiful because she's a monster. Uh, so she has this tension of she always looks beautiful, but she always feels terrible. And so there's a really beautiful quote, which is, um, so it's, I think somebody tells her that she looks impossibly sweet. And her monologue is, that might be, but she felt like death. She would gladly make the trade. How blissful it would be to feel impossibly sweet and look like death. Um, and I think Tepper, if you meant episodes ago, mentioned like reading her internal monologue for the first time. And like that this was one of those moments for me of like, yes, yeah, that is, that is my whole life. I mean, I'm not supernaturally beautiful, but like disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I never look like I feel Uh, or very, very rarely. Um, I am almost always in, a degree of pain that varies from not very much to quite a lot mm-hmm. and I don't look like it um so so I really I really identified with with fire for that and I think the other reason that I like this book and I think that this is a powerful thing about fantasy in general is fantasy sometimes has the power to take 
a marginalized experience from the world that we live in and imagine a world in which all the shitty parts of that marginalized experience also come with like magic powers yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just it's it's like interesting and yeah. um and kind of cool yeah um yeah yeah, it's empowering, really. Yeah, it's empowering. That's that's a good word. I honestly feel like that's something that Bitter Blue maybe deals with mm-hmm. when she because th- she compares herself to Katza constantly, constantly, yes. and she's like, "I'm not strong like Katza. I can't fight like Katza. I can't do anything because I'm not graced." Mm-hmm. And like, like uh, um, coming to terms with the fact that her power is political power. Yes, is really hard for her mm-hmm. um, because she feels like she should have the like. Yeah, she should have the... Um, that's actually another thing that I love about Bitter Blue is I feel like it's so rare to find a fantasy protagonist in a world where magic powers exist who does not have magic powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But who is much more powerful yes. than the people who have magic powers. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, right? There's a graced man who tries to kidnap her and she kills him. Yes. And has no consequences because she is queen. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also because it's a clear self-defense. But, yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, no trial, nothing. Mm-hmm. Just just like, okay. He attacked the queen, he died. Yeah, uh, end of story. I'm Tom Zalatni, host and producer of Up for Discussion, a long-running comedy podcast on the Upford Network. Every week, me and my team of hilarious improvisers use audience-submitted questions to dive deep and delicious into every topic under the sun. Nothing is off-limits. The audience has full control. It's like going to an improv show, only it's in your ears, and nobody's asking to see a scene about sex toys. Hopefully. One reviewer called it an underappreciated cult classic. Another reviewer called it not a very compelling product. Go check it out and see for yourself. The Up for Discussion podcast. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Topics of High Importance, a podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of High Importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's about it for for the series as a whole. Yeah, we um, we intentionally did the series as a whole because what well, we wanted to to talk about it as a whole, um, but we also are thinking that we will probably touch on the individual books. Yeah, each on their own in the future. So let us know if you want us to do that. Yeah, we we're not planning on doing it very soon. No, because we have a whole list yes. of books that we have to get to we do um but we are i mean i think we will come back to these we will review these as individual novels mm-hmm. if that's something you want soon as always like follow us on social media yeah please follow us on facebook please mm-hmm. follow us on facebook and share yeah. yes. our posts yeah um i mean i know like podcasts are a pretty like passive uh mm-hmm pastime but like it would mean a lot to us <laughs> yeah we, and and it helps get the word out and yeah. um 
yeah and if you have thoughts about about things we would love to hear them and exactly. we will talk back to you yeah, so yeah. uh in a nice way not in a like we, what are you saying yeah. way when uh, we like <laughs> when we when we conceived this podcast conceived yes. of this podcast um, <laughs> we really like yeah. we've really seen it as a collaboration with our listeners we yes. really want your input we really want your suggestions mm-hmm. uh if you tweet at us we will tweet back pleasantly yeah. possibly with fun gifts like mm-hmm. um yeah, Tefra's very good at gifts. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You're so we're we're at Yeah Podcast on yeah. all platforms. Um, mm-hmm. Our email address is the Yeah Podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, we really want to hear from you. Yeah, we would love that. Um, also, on the on the note of interacting with us, um, if you are liking the show, rating and reviewing it on iTunes will really help yeah. us. Uh, yeah. As well, sharing the link to the Upford Patreon or True. Indiegogo, not Patreon, not their Patreon. Come to our Patreon, but the Indiegogo campaign right now. Um, please do at least mm-hmm. share it. Yeah, keep us keep us going. Keep mm-hmm. us having high quality recording. Yeah, yeah. I know some of you already have donated, and that means and a lot. Yes, yeah. we appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically essentially started ad-libbing our outros. So, <laughs> so let's get into the actual so outro. We will say goodbye. Um, next week we are going to be reading uh, the the book that was I don't have words right now. The book that was requested via our Indiegogo campaign. Yes. Uh, which is called Station Eleven, yes. and it is by. Do you have it written down, or do I need to find it? I do, but I left that sticky note in a different room. Okay, well, I can I can find it just a second. Um, so, Station Eleven by, wait for it, Emily St. John Mandel. Mm-hmm. Now, this was requested by Howard, who gave $25 to the Indiegogo campaign, and now he gets to be the next book. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, uh, he's not a book, but... Um, we're going to read him like a book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, that was a cheap joke. Uh, thank you, Howard, for doing that. Yes. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at tefferbear and at thebalesasaurus. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. You can support us not for free by donating to the Upford Network Indiegogo campaign. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. Greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. 